Hey everyone and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be going back to the episode rewatches and we are talking about anime episodes 196 through 206, which will be covering nothing in the manga, but the G8 anime filler arc. This is the one unanimously viewed actual good filler story arc in One Piece and I actually have to agree, it is quite enjoyable, and I really do like watching this filler arc, despite the fact that nothing really happens, but it's pretty funny, and it's got some pretty good actual sort of emotional depth to it as well. So, yeah, let's get into it. Alright, so the synopsis for this story. After the Straw Hats leave Skypiea, they find themselves having landed in a marine fortress called G8, which is led by Marine Vice Admiral Jonathan which is a very normal name for a character in One Piece. In order to avoid capture, the crew all scatter and hide in various areas of the base, taking on different jobs or tasks while undercover. They figure out a way to try and escape while avoiding capture. Eventually, the whole thing turns into a game of cat and mouse between the Straw Hats and the Marine Vice Admiral Jonathan. So like with all my other filler podcast episodes, I won't go into as much detail as I do with the normal episodes, but just go over the arc as a whole and just talk about the highlights and what stood out to me. First off, the arc as a whole, like I mentioned, is by far one of the more entertaining filler arcs, as it's funny, it's fun and entertaining, and has a very clear story that it wants to tell over the 10-episode run. While not as good as anything that is canon written by Oda himself, it still has a lot to like about it. I think one of the things that stands out to me about the G8 filler arc is that to the Toei animation team and the writing staff seem to have a lot of fun making this. As you can see, they do a lot of fun things with the characters that you normally wouldn't see, but still also manage to maintain that sort of emotional core of what Oda has already established. One big example that comes to mind is that one scene with Luffy messing around with that marine officer early on as he's sneaking around where he's hiding behind him. And then you see him just make peace signs at the camera. Like, <laughs> it's it's pretty funny and comical. And it's I think it's been turned into GIFs all over the internet. But in the story, he's doing this to Sanji, who's off camera. But clearly, this was a wink at the audience as this kind of joke. And it seems kind of out of place in One Piece, but it's nonetheless pretty funny. And the whole arc is kind of filled with these sort of unexpected jokes that you don't really see in the normal proper canon of One Piece, but it's still somewhat in keeping with the already established tone. One thing that's surprising about this entire arc is the supporting characters and villains actually are pretty interesting and somewhat nuanced. They all get their moments and actually serve the story very well. I like Chef Jessica, Dr. Kobata, and uh, Mikau, and their relations with the various Straw Hats that they run into while they're all hiding in the base. They dedicate a couple episodes to exploring their relationships individually, and it's kind of cool despite them being enemies on paper as their marines, they all end up helping each other out in various ways. And it's in keeping with the series-wide theme of, you know, labels and allegiances don't make a person good or bad, and in the end, it's what you do that makes who you are, and both groups just want to help people, and the Straw Hats stay true to that despite them being pirates. I also like that Jonathan himself, while an antagonist, is not a true villain as he is a very fair and just person despite his seeming connection to Admiral Akainu, which in the anime is shockingly the first time we ever hear of Akainu or of the admirals in general, which we aren't supposed to hear about till the next arc actually in the, in the manga from Robin of all people. 
I'll talk a little bit more about this in the spoiler section, but that connection is mostly meaningless to to those of you who it's the first time through the series since we haven't actually met or heard anything about Akainu yet, which is why this connection is very strange and oddly placed. It seems very unnecessary. Like I mentioned earlier, the comedy is also insanely funny throughout, as I mentioned. The writers and animators seem like they just had a lot of fun with being a little bit more sillier with the character interactions and facial animations. And of course, this filler arc is the origins of the legendary Condoriano scene. <laughs> this, this is for some reason one of the silliest and funniest moments in the entire series for me and I think a lot of fans too. I think what gets me every time is, you know, of course we accept, uh, you know, expect Usopp to be, you know, this way and make up lies and just go over the top with his performance. But <laughs> I love, I think my favorite part is how Zoro jumps on board with this ruse and just starts calling him Condoriano and <laughs> headbutts him. <laughs> like this entire scene is just gold. It's so funny. Like sometimes I will just go back and watch this one scene in the jail cell where they're trying to confuse the Marines and make uh, make this guy out to be this weird crew member that they have named Condoriano. Another thing about this arc that is really outstanding for some weird reason is the animation quality is just superb. Like it's got like these dynamic shadows and deep color contrast that we've never really seen before in this series. I feel like they had like extra time with this filler arc or they had a completely different team working on this or something. I mean, perhaps they were testing out improved animation for their soon-to-be upgrade to the HD format in a few episodes in the next arc, starting with episode 207. But regardless, the animation looks amazing in these 10 episodes for some reason. Like, all the character model proportions are correct. Detail, the sharpness, like, just the amount of depth you kind of see in these episodes is crazy. Especially, like, between the shift between, like, the nighttime scenes the daytime scenes, the indoor, outdoor, like it's so well done. It's kind of crazy. And you wish that this quality could keep up throughout the entire series. I also love that almost every character gets their own little adventure, except for maybe Zoro as he's just kind of along for the ride. But I love Sanji's interactions with Chef Jessica and we kind of get the Luffy back in the kitchen, which is just hilarious every time Luffy enters a kitchen is just so funny because he's so useless and in fact detrimental to the actual operations of making a meal just going back to his Baratia days and then Chopper and Nami assisting in the infirmary while teaching Dr. Kobata to overcome her fears as well as Usopp developing that relationship with the mechanic Mikao and learning more about ships and deepening the growing concern for the going merry. And then finally Robin and her little intel gathering mission disguised as Major Shepard. But yeah, overall I really enjoyed these um, interactions with the characters inside the GA fort because it's, you know, these the characters don't necessarily grow or anything because they can't. This is a filler arc, but it's nice seeing their different character traits reinforced and instead of them growing, they help the Marines grow whether it be Chef Jessica and the cooks, or Dr. Kobata, or Mikao, and, and some of the other Marines. It's kind of interesting how that how they took that limitation of not you know being allowed to make the characters grow, but they make everyone else around them grow, which still makes for a really fun and interesting story. Now, as good as it is, it's not without its faults, and there is definitely a sense that they had a story they wanted to tell, but they had to stretch it out as long as possible to buy enough time for the manga to extend its lead. So it does feel like a few of the episodes were padding and nothing really happened. 
or they'll draw out certain moments and and certain events that just didn't seem like it need to and you're just thinking to yourself okay let's move on to the next beat and sometimes it's just full-on repeat the same exact scenario again and it's just it's really yeah it, it definitely shows that sort of that anime pacing that Toei is known for and speaking of pacing the pacing definitely feels off too as it seems to build up to a climax of them escaping then it grinds to a halt and they have to go back and the momentum resets all over again as they now have to go back inside get the gold it just feels like they added this in to stretch time out even further they could have easily incorporated that into building up the second act and you know into that portion of the story as nami could have discovered the missing gold sooner and then made them go back before they set out to the gate and made it seem like the arc was almost over it's just a really awkward way of telling the story I think the one thing I love about this filler arc the most is the idea that it highlights good marines, which is something I always love seeing, you know, aside from, you know, Major Shepard, all the marines, including Jonathan, have the ability to see good in people and advocate for peace over violence and control, like what the marines and the world government seem to be all about these days. But these soldiers are first and foremost about protection and people, as it's neatly summed up by Jonathan at the very end of the arc. But in closing, like I've said, this is probably the one filler arc that is almost unanimously celebrated among the One Piece community as it's just good fun and somewhat worthwhile watching. It's definitely not required watching by any means and can still be skipped to episode 207 and you would not really miss a thing. But I think you won't be disappointed if you do decide to watch this one. Anyways, if you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes or see some pictures of my manga collection. And just a small spoiler section, believe it or not, after this, uh, I just wanted to talk about a couple points, but if you don't want to hear about those, I just wanted to say thanks for taking the time to listen to my podcast. And next episode, we will finally be jumping back into the canon material with the start of the Long Ring Long Land arc. So yeah, I'll see you next time. Bye. Alrighty, so spoiler sections. It is interesting that I do have a few spoilers for this, but I guess the first thing is this set of filler actually does quite a bit to sort of highlight just how bad of a shape the Mary is in right now and that it's ne- it's needing repairs and they do actually have one canon scene in this filler arc about them deciding what to do with the gold and they ultimately end up deciding that they need to spend the majority of the gold to repair the going merry and it's interesting too that Mikao while Usopp was in the jail cell when he goes to talk to him he almost mentions the story about the club outer man and it was interrupted by Drake but this was clearly about to talk about the Club Outer Man, which eventually will get explained to Soap by Frankie later on once he gets to Water 7. But it's interesting that they, they do quite a bit to sort of set up the, the idea that the Mary needs a lot of repairs and that they need to eventually secure a shipwright. And so a lot of that setup was done here. And speaking of the Mary and Frankie, 
It's interesting, the way they escape with the impact dial out the back is very reminiscent of the future Sunny, or the Thousand Sunny, with the Cuda Burst ability that it'll eventually have that it frequently uses to get out of trouble, and how it just blasts its way into the sky and escapes a lot of different, and, you know, hairy situations. And so I like that this was a precursor. And I believe this filler arc was even before the Thousand Sunny was even actually introduced. So they kind of like predicted this almost. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was obviously that reference to the um, Akainu or Sakazuki. You know, that reveal that Jonathan is a protege of of, uh, Admiral Akainu or the current fleet Admiral Sakazuki. Which I found really random. Like, why would why would that even be necessary to mention here? And it, and the reason why, obviously, to, for most of us who know who Akainu is, his absolute justice is is so unforgiving and so unmerciful. It almost seems kind of counter to how Jonathan is brought up as a marine. Like their philosophies are so different. He's more probably closer to. Aokiji or even uh or even more closer to Sengoku it's much more of a compassionate way of viewing how to deal with criminals and whatnot and so it's like someone who trained under Akainu would not really should have turned out like this but it's interesting that they name drop that especially since not even in the real canon by this point do we know anything about the admirals nor have they ever been mentioned we don't even learn about Aokiji until Robin mentions him when he shows up and confronts the Straw Hats towards the end of the Long Ring, Long Land arc, which I am very excited to talk about. But yeah, those are all the things I wanted to talk about in the spoilers section. So thanks for listening, and I will catch you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>